TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to a special edition of The Permanent Record. We're at Just City Live at Cowork Memphis. I'm Josh Spickler. I'm the executive director of Just City, a nonprofit criminal justice reform organization based in Memphis, Tennessee. The Permanent Record is a podcast about the criminal justice system and how we can work together to make it work better for everyone. Re- recording in front of a live audience. Yeah. That we have plied with beer, wine, snacks, and t-shirts in anticipation, thank you, of the arrival of our guest. Our guest is the youngest member of the Tennessee General Assembly. She's a proud Democrat. In fact, she's the floor leader of the caucus. She serves very importantly for our purposes in the Criminal Justice Committee, Criminal Justice Subcommittee as well. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, Representative Ackberry. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Always good to be with Just City. And for the record, I did start my day with Just City, and I will end it with Just City. That's right. You, <laughs> you did. Thank you very much for that as well. And actually, my first question is about something you said to me early this morning. We had a, a brief get-together for some uh, other Just City supporters, uh, and you talked about uh, being drawn to criminal justice reform because uh, you want to make communities better. Those yeah. were your words. Uh, but so back up from that, you were elected in a special ele- election after the passing of the legendary Speaker Pro Tem, Lois DeBerry. Yes. Uh, but was elected office always in your plans, and what brought you to that election? Well, um, it was, but I didn't think it was going to happen nearly as quickly. Um, it's crazy because I had a conversation with a good friend that March, and she's like, well, whenever you're ready, let me know. I'll be your campaign manager. And I thought, well, surely, because at that point I was 29, so I thought maybe 35, 40, who knows, maybe I'll start a family, then maybe I'll do it. I don't know. And the um, governor announced a special election. I jumped right in. I always felt that a legislator in some capacity, I would, as a legislator in some capacity, I would have the opportunity to make an impact because the laws tell us what we can and cannot do and what we have to abide by, and they can truly control and, and make communities go in one direction or another. But you're a Memphis native, correct? I am, born and raised, Team 901. (laughs) Team 901. Tell me about growing up in Memphis High School. What were your experiences? What prepared you? Law school. Tell tell us about some of that. All right. Well, um, I am a proud uh, product of Memphis City and Shelby County Schools, so I am a strong supporter of public schools, obviously. But um, I just I knew that I wanted to go to law school, and it's not because I was exposed to lawyers as a child. I really wasn't. Uh, my parents had a hair product and salon business. Most of my family members are working class people, just, you know, supporting their family. Um, so I always tell people it's kind of silly, but I think a lot of it had to do with the Cosby show and people's court, honestly. <laughs> so I thought, oh, it'd be cool to be a judge. So as a young kindergartner, my, I wanted to be a lawyer slash cheerleader. Um, and obviously I got one of them. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I went to Cordova High School. Uh, it went by so quickly after the first year. The first year was just long, and I don't even remember, just a lot of homework. I remember my back was just, I had the L.O. Bean backpack that was, like, weighed down with books. So I still have uh, flashbacks of that. But then I got to law school. and I Were, you, were you a good student? Did you make yeah, good grades? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, my mom always told me that uh, about good grades being important. When we were younger, if we got straight A's, we could have a pizza party, which was really cool. As a first and second grader, and then moving on, I guess sixth grade is when I realized, oh, good grades actually make a difference, and they'll help me get into college. So 
it kind of clicked for me. And did it? Did you go to college? I, I did, in fact, go to college. <laughs> uh, I went to Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, I, I always tell little high, high school students and, and, and elementary school students that I've talked to, I say, look, do what you have to do now so you can do what you want to do later. So fortunately, I could choose, and WashU seemed like the best fit for me. I really wanted people that were down to earth. That it was a, for me, I hadn't really grown up around Republicans my entire life. So like going to college was like, wow, there are people that don't look like me that are actually Democrats. It was insane. It was quite an eye-opening experience. But um, and then I went on to law school, which was also great. After the first year, the first year is hard. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, let's uh, so let's flash forward a little bit and 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 talk about um, the reason that you're here. The reason that you're here with Just City, as you obviously know, and, and most of the folks out here with us know, we've focused on expungement for most of the life of our organization. We uh, help people get their criminal records cleared up, and in Tennessee, that is a very difficult thing to do because it's a very narrow qualification, and it costs four hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, it did cost four hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, if you qualified. And so one of the things we've been trying to do, we, you and me and, and several other folks, is lower that fee. You sponsored a beer, bill this year uh, that uh, lowered that fee for some expungements. You also sponsored a bill that uh, made it possible to get two expungements instead of just one. Uh, so when you were elected and you got to Nashville for that first session, uh, what drew you to criminal justice reform and why have you kind of stuck with it? Yeah, well, Honestly, it's actually kind of weird because when I was in law school, um, I took criminal uh, law and I thought I do not ever want to be in the criminal law field ever because it was just so horrific. And I felt like you have victims on both sides. The perpetrator is a victim. The victim is a victim. But I saw the criminal justice committee as an opportunity to make that system better. Uh, When I was running for office, I ran into a lot of people who could not vote, low offenses, drug sales, drug possession, things that really were impacting their entire life, especially a lot of guys that my mom went to high school with. And I thought, these guys are older. I mean, they're in their 50s, and they're being limited by these small little petty crimes they might have committed as young people. And so that kind of drew me to it, and I felt that I have like a trifecta, uh, economic development, education reform, and criminal justice reform. And I think those three go hand in hand. And so when I was elected, I requested to be put on education and criminal justice. And fortunately, the speaker put me on both of them. Now, next next year, I might, if I'm fortunate enough to be reelected, I might ask to get off of education because it's just, um, it is a wild world. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's saying something considering you're also on criminal yeah, I justice. Know. <laughs> Our committee. Well, I think I've told you this story before, and I'm going to leave out some names because there's, I think, Gil's recording behind me. But I have made it to Nashville for the session a few times uh, to talk to elected officials and to talk to some people in your party and some people not in your party. And I was, I was talking to someone in, not in your party once uh, it, it, about Just City, and we were tell, telling about our mission and some of the things we would like to see done in the General Assembly. And and the the conversation went on, and the pitch went on as they do for for minutes, and you know, we, their brochures passed across the table, and there's not a lot of interest shown in some of these meetings. And at some point, we we got to the part where we talked about a specific bill, and I mentioned the sponsor being Ramesh Ackberry, and the and the person finally, for the first time in 15 minutes, perked up. And this was a person not in your party, a person with whom with for with whom you have little in common on paper, but that person lit up and, and began to 
to converse with us about the bill that we were talking about, and it was the bill to reduce the expungement fee. And so, uh, and, and you have proven your ability to reach across the aisle to achieve, you know, bipartisan support for bills like these expungement bills. And I guess I want to know what's the secret? Like, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, that's well, that's an interesting question. Um, one. I think you have to focus on what you have in common, okay, because otherwise um, you will want to strangle someone literally every single day. (laughs) So I try and focus on, hey, criminal justice is an issue across the state. And I always try and frame my questions in in the optics of, like I was talking about um, a piece of legislation having to do with incarceration for drug crimes. So I'm going to go get some information about something in East Tennessee so that I can let my counterpart across the aisle and across the state know, hey, this is not a Memphis issue. This is not a Memphis problem. It is a state of Tennessee issue. So that's it's difficult, though. But I'll tell you another thing that I do is um, I don't focus on what I don't agree with them about. I am never going to change these people's minds about certain things. And doing it just makes me so frustrated. Uh, so I try and focus on the positive. Are there days where I literally think, why am I doing this? These people are crazy. The level of classism and racism and sexism that they spew from their mouth is is mind-numbing. I mean, you're just a constant barrage of, uh, you just can't even imagine, especially about Memphis. And I think that's why I want to get off the education committee because there's a guy on there who every time something about Memphis comes up, he makes a disparaging comment. And I finally turned around and I said, I can hear you. Like, why are you? <laughs> you're on the committee. And it, it, so those are the moments where you're like, oh, gosh. Okay. But then you realize you have to fight for people. You are there to fight for people. So I can't get my personal feelings in it. I have to think about the people I'm representing. And those are moments that maybe don't surprise you. Has there been a moment in your career, which is kind of short, that has surprised you about the other party, that has surprised you about uh, the bipartisanship that you've, uh, that you've led? Yeah, I will say from the jump. So when you're not – first of all, if you've never been to the legislature, it's like being on a different planet. One, you have people who are walking around like – Literally, they control the earth, so I can only imagine if they had a more elevated position how they would act. One, it's quite scary. But two, um, you start to see people as people, um, and it kind of dawned on me again in that doggone education committee this year where I was livid with this uh, someone in my party's comments. And then I thought, it's like hit me, like these are his views. This is what he believes. And if I want people to respect my views, I have to respect his. So I think what was surprising to me is it's not just – that's the other party or that's somebody who doesn't believe something that I believe. It's that they are people. We can be friendly over something and we don't have to be friendly over everything. We just need to see what we can agree on. And also that, you know, they say politics makes strange bedfellows. It really does. So the very fact that the ACLU and the Beacon Center have partnered together on criminal justice reform, which if you guys don't know, the Beacon Center is ultra conservative. Uh, The policies that they push, they were strongly against Medicaid expansion. Uh, They support school vouchers, like anything that the opposite of what the ACLU might support. Uh, So that was pretty surprising to me. Yeah, and and you are one of a very few number of of, of Democrats. But but for folks listening uh, and in you folks here in the room, I would also like to recognize that we do have another member of your party and another member of the State House. Representative Dwayne Thompson has joined us. So we have two members of your caucus yeah, here. We do, and I will tell you, uh, first, Dwayne Thompson is awesome. State Representative Dwayne Thompson is awesome because he is the only representative that actually flipped a seat in the entire That's state. That's right. That's <laughs> right. He did that. So, 
He flipped a district from red to blue, and it was purely based on his hard work and tenacity and his ability to want to represent people, to articulate that message, and then get to the state house and do it. I mean, yeah. talk about building bipartisan relationships. That's, that's what he's he sounds, doing. Sounds like a future guest on the permanent record. I think so. <laughs> Uh, so, Representative Ackberry, uh, aside from um, expungement, do you have a wish list of criminal justice reforms? Ooh, that is a good question. Obviously, every year we have a host of um, legislation related to marijuana that is filed by different representatives. Um, usually it has to do with incarceration. And every year some sort of something – and I should say every year. Okay, I've been there for three years, maybe four. I always get confused. But – um is always some sort of weird shenanigan where either the bill is sent to health first and then criminal justice or it's killed in criminal justice and then health or it passes on the House and then they kill it in the Senate. So there's one bill to expand the amount of eligible offenses. I would love to see that go through. It passed in the House. Um, it's sitting in wait in the Senate, which was good for us because – and Adam can attest to this. It was good for us because we could say we're just trying to broaden the um, – that you can have two nonviolent offenses – we, so it, it helped us, but I think next year I'd like to see that. And I'd like to see a really sincere examination and sentencing. If you're looking at these low-level level offenses that people should not be incarcerated for, um, and, and they're being incarcerated. And the last thing I will talk about, and it's actually truly bipartisan because it was proposed by um, Sheriff Bill Oldham, who is a Republican, is that we would extend the juvenile age significantly. He actually wants to extend it to 25 um, and provide a special – on the same property as the penal farm, they have a, a vacant building where they want to be able to have a detention center in Shelby County because right now there's not one for juveniles and then have wraparound services for families so that when that person gets out, ultimately the goal is, one, that their record will be cleared, two, that they will have some sort of training so that they can go right into employment. That, for me, would be a dream. Um, unfortunately, the sheriffs across the state don't like it. But because I, it benefits Memphis? Of course, but maybe we can use their tricks and, and make it a pilot program for Memphis and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope you can get that done. Uh, let's see. So we've, we've talked a whole lot about uh, your work in the General Assembly and maybe just one more question that, that maybe you can give us all something uh, that we've never heard before. Like what's something about being a state representative in Tennessee that uh, that maybe most folks don't know, maybe most folks don't do you have like a secret ice cream machine when you go to the legislative plaza? Anything like that? Yeah. Well, uh, here's your secret. Don't drink the water because the pipes are really old. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of kidding, but not. Um, well, shoot. Uh, the interesting thing that people probably don't know is that you have to – to get up in the elevator, you do not have to swipe an ID badge. But to go down in the elevator, you do. Because they don't want people to get into the garage, and they feel like people who are coming up from the garage are already authorized to be in there. So it's weird. And I have many times not had my card, so I had to go outside the building and walk down the garage ramp, which in heels is always a nightmare for me because I, I literally have a scar from flying down a garage ramp. So oh, no. anyway, and also one more thing. This pin right here is our security pin. So if state rep if uh, state troopers see this pin, then they know that we're an elected official, even though they have asked me for my ID twice. When I, I have a pen, I don't actually have an ID with me. Um, but that helps get us uh, places. And it also gets us to the front of the elevator when we're nice. going to session. And it gets yeah. you down the ramp into yeah. the garage when you lock yourself Right, up. right. <laughs> Which I do constantly. All right, all right. <laughs> Are you ready to announce on the permanent record uh -huh. 
your 2018 bid for governor of the state of Tennessee? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. But I do fully intend to run for District 91. So those of you that live in the area, that's uh, my plan. <laughs> All right. Well, like a, like a true lawmaker, you have asked for the vote. And, uh, and I think at some point earlier I asked for donations or at least for you to buy T-shirts at JustCity.org or if you're in this room right behind you. Uh, so special thanks to Gil Worth behind me. He's with the OAM Network where the permanent record is uh, hosted. Special thanks to Jeff Hewlett who recorded that original song you heard uh, when we came in and maybe we'll hear it again in a second. I don't know. It's called She Got Gone. It's original and he uh, gave it to the permanent record. So I'm Josh Spickler. This is The Permanent Record, a production of Just City. Please learn more about our work at justcity.org. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at justcity901. Uh, make sure you're subscribing, all of you people in the room and all of you people listening, to The Permanent Record on iTunes. We've already got a ton of subscribers, so this is very exciting. Stitcher, you can get it there. You can get it on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. In a Just City, we listen and we speak up. Our thanks to you for doing both. Goodbye. The proceeding is an OM production. For more information, go to the OAMnetwork.com.